Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning, 11 a.m. So good to see you and just to see so many people this weekend that I've missed over the last uh, six weeks. And it's just been good. I was telling the team last night, uh, last night, Saturday night was the first time I had been to Calvary on, in six weeks. It felt like the first day of school. And uh, I was like, I should have went and got a haircut and a new outfit, but I didn't. And uh, no, but we're, um, we're just so blessed to call this church home and so blessed by Pastor Ray's leadership. I'm so grateful that he would allow my family and I space uh, six weeks to get to go and just to spend time recharging, being the presence of God, getting to have some experiences together. And aren't you grateful for a church that cares for the soul of its leaders? And uh, we have to, we have to. And uh, I know it's a huge, it's a huge value to my family that uh, we recharge and we fill up and then we, we serve out of the overflow, amen. And uh, can I just re- remind you, whatever the Lord allows you, whether it be an hour, a day, a week, whatever your schedule allows, make sure you have time to recharge with the Lord, to be with Him in His presence. And so that's, that's what I'm gonna talk about in a second. I just wanna show you uh, uh, some pictures from this summer just for us so far. Uh, this is my wife, Megan. If you haven't met her, she's a, many of you actually know her. Obviously, she's been around Calvary with me for a long time, but also she uh, is a teacher in the White River School District. So many of you know her from there. And then that's our little guy, Mr. Liam. And uh, Liam loves the beach. And so we uh, spent a good portion of our summer uh, down in Southern California on the beach, just relaxing, recharging, hearing the waves. It was just an awesome time getting to be down there. And then we went on a hike. And by the way, that baseball bat goes with us everywhere we go. Um, and uh, the only place the baseball bat doesn't go is to church because then he trades it for his guitar and brings his guitar to church. Uh, but we played a lot of baseball. And um, that's Liam. We told him he was about to go get some ice cream, and so he was excited about that. But we had a great summer. I, I pray you're well. Have you been thankful for all the speakers that have come and just shared God's word? And, and uh, we're thankful for them. And so it's been a great summer. Summer in the Psalms, and it really kind of cultivates what the Lord's been, been doing in my heart. And I want to talk today about the presence of God. You see, I love the book of Psalms, because the book of Psalms, are, they're kind of like a mirror, like, I love you look at David or you look at a couple of the other authors in Psalms. They don't really hold anything back from us. Like, you look at David and he's like, I'm on the mountaintop. Let's get the drummer. Let's get the guitar player. Let's get the cello. Let's get the cymbals. And let's just praise God on the mountaintop. He's really like, I, this is a great season. And then you see David, he's like, and I'm in the valley and I'm grieving and I'm, this is hard and this is difficult and then you see David in the mundane of life at times through the Psalms. He's like, it's just another day, but I'm grateful for God and his goodness in my life. I love the Psalms because they're kind of like a mirror into our lives. Isn't that like our lives? Sometimes you want to come into God's presence with shouting and with joy. And sometimes you want to come into God's presence because you're full of grief and sorrow. And sometimes you're just somewhere in the middle. Amen. We're just, but this is why I love the book of Psalms. But here's the common thread through all the Psalms is God's faithful presence in the midst of it. 
So, so much of Psalms is David reflecting on God's presence. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about some promises of God's presence. I'm going to do it through Psalms chapter 16. If you'd be so willing to stand to your feet one more time. We do this at Calvary to respect the word, to remind ourselves that the word of God and the Holy Spirit is our teacher this morning. Psalms chapter 16, if you're ready, say I'm ready. It says this. It's a song. It's what I've been saying. I'm not going to sing it for you this morning. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. For the lines have fallen for me in the pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. And therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. Or let your Holy One see corruption. And catch this, this is last verse. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. Someone say presence. In your presence, there is a fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 11 a.m., my prayer all weekend is that at the end of this time, about 35 or 40 minutes, we would leave and we would say, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. You make known to me the path of life. I pray as David sang this, it would become an anthem and a prayer in our life in this time. Amen. So Lord, may it be so. We come before your word humbly, reminded of the reverence of it, that this is the book you've given us as the words of life. And Holy Spirit, we know that you're the one that helps us apply it to our lives. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher this morning. And we just, we humbly sit under your teaching uh, as we look at our lives, as we look at our world, as we look at our community, we see that there is a darkness and a lack of light. And yet you've set this up as a way for us to gather together, to get a breath of fresh air, to be equipped by your word, to know your presence, to become the salt of the world you called us to, to become the light of the world you called us to so that we can leave and become that place. We can leave and become the presence of God to people and the light of the world. So in these few moments we have together, they're precious. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the attention to be aware to every moment of what you wanna do in our life in these few moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated this morning. So while we were away, I needed to rent a car and so I went through the process of renting a car and realized that uh, it was actually going to be cheaper to rent a Tesla than it was to rent another car. And I was like, YOLO moment, I'd love to drive a Tesla. <laughs> and it's kind of been, I've kind of been intrigued by Teslas. Is there anyone in the house this morning that has a Tesla? Okay, yeah, there's a few. Yeah, there's been like three or four all weekend, not as much as I thought, but yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, and so I, I, I got this Tesla and I'm like, okay, we'll see this. So I, I get it in. This thing's like a go-kart, man. This thing like pedal to the metal and this thing just went. It was, it was kind of one of the middle of the road ones. I don't know what the fastest of the fast one would have been like, right? So you get in this Tesla. I learned really quickly uh, that there's, 
you know, you have like your, you have lots of different people. You have your people that like to, the motorcycle crew, right? You have a motorcycle, the Harley crew, and then you've got the off-roading crew. You've got the Jeep crew. My wife and I, were part of the Toyota crew, right? And, and maybe, uh, maybe you and the, there's definitely a Tesla crew, right? And let me tell you how you find the Tesla crew. Go to the Auburn Super Mall, and there's some Tesla superchargers, and you'll see all the Tesla crew together there, right? And so we got this Tesla, and it was a cool experience, right? And, um, and it was, you know, you see, you see how much percentage you have left, and then you, you know, put your pedal to the metal, and you see the battery life going down, you know? Because what they don't tell you is that uh, how you use the Tesla actually does affect the battery life a little bit too, right? So you get in it, and you're like, oh, I got 175 miles left, and then you go zero to 60 or 75 on the freeway, and you see, oh, now I have 140 miles. And then you turn the air conditioner on, it's like, oh, I've only got three miles left before the charge, right? And uh, I'm being a little bit dramatic. I don't want to, you know, that's not actually fully how it is. But it felt like that a little bit. And, uh, and then I was driving it, and it, I didn't even remember this. It just had dawned on me that this car has a self-driving function. I was stoked, right? And so I'm driving, and I almost turn on, like, I feel like this is one of those things in life you probably should research before you actually do, right? Like, before you just turn the self-driving on. So we got back to our Airbnb, and I, and I researched about self-driving, and all this, and it's like, okay, feels at least mediocre safe, so that sounds good to me. So we, we get back in the car, and we get back on the freeway, and, I, and I'm like, hey, it's the moment of truth. I put the self-driving on, and I take my hands off the wheel, and I'm, I'm stoked at this point, right? I take a slight turn and the car is just turning. I'm just like, Jesus, take the wheel. And I just like sing it all. And I'm like looking to people on the freeway and be like, look, this car's driving itself. And I'm just, I'm, and then, so then that happens for about, I don't know, 30 or 45 seconds. Then all of a sudden, those of you that have Teslas, you know this, I didn't know this. It starts beeping at me. And I'm like, hands back on the wheel, right? Like, uh, and I, and, I, and then I'm like, okay, things seem okay. It's still kind of driving itself. So then I take my hands off and Jesus, I'm just going for it, right? And then it beeps at me again. I'm like, Psst. and what I didn't know was that they don't actually want you to take your hands off the wheel while it's doing a self-driving mode. They want, they, you know, you have to, they want to know that you're awake and not taking a snooze while you're driving, right? But then I thought the second time it beeped at me and you're like, Taylor, how is this spiritual at all, right? The second time it, it beeped at me, it's like the Lord like reminded me, he's like, that's like our faith sometimes. Like how many of us live our lives and we're like, yeah, God, I trust you, I trust you, things are good, and then one thing goes wrong and we're like, nope, God, I'm taking the control of this thing right back to me. And then we maybe release a little bit and then this little drama thing happens, like, nope, God, I'm gonna take control back of this thing one more time. You see, friends, that's the temptation I feel like we'll feel in our entire lives. But I believe this weekend at Calvary Community Church, what God wants us to do is God wants to, to build the trust back within us that we can trust him. And we're not trying to reach for the wheel of our lives again, but we can say, Lord, Lord, I do trust you. And this is how I believe we get there. I believe we, our trust with God grows when we learn his presence more. When you, when you can learn God's presence, your trust with him and, and in him 
will grow. And this is what I believe that Psalms chapter 16 does. In fact, before I jump in, I wanna read this N.T. Wright quote. This is what N.T. Wright says about the Psalms. The Psalms call us to pray and to sing at the intersections of the times. I don't have time to talk about it, but how many of you will just agree we are at an intersections of the times right now? We're gonna look back at this period of time, five, 10 years, whatever this is, and we're going to see a lot changed. We're in intersections of the times and how of our time and God's time of then and the now and the not yet. Catch this, it's to understand how these emotions of the intersections of the times are to be held within the what? The rhythm of life lived in God's presence. Let's talk about some promises of God's presence this morning. The first one, from, straight from Psalms chapter 16, I'm just gonna go right through them, is this. It's a, a place to find shelter. See, the promise of God's presence is a place to find shelter. This is what David says. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. In other words, what David is entering into this psalm with, he says this, God help, preserve me. If you go back to the original Hebrew, he's essentially saying, God help, help me. How many know God loves when we go to him like that? God, I need your help. We don't know in the scriptures what David was seeking preservation from, what he was seeking help for, but we know that he knew that he needed God's help. He says, God, and you, I need your help, and you I go and I take refuge. You see, God's presence is a place to run. It's a refuge. Like we build a roof over a house to protect us from the elements. Like we have an umbrella to carry for when the rain comes. Like Safeco Field has the retractable roof to cover the stadium, go Mariners, by the way, to cover the stadium and to give protection to the fans. In the same way, just like we put a roof over a house, an umbrella over us, God's presence is like that in times of trouble. It's a refuge from the elements. David understood that God's presence was a refuge, and, and I, I think this is probably obvious, but I think it's worth saying is we need refuge today, church. I wrote down four things of maybe a thousand that we need refuge from, but maybe the first one is this. We need refuge from the news cycles that are intentionally designed to bring fear into our lives. You know that, right? (laughs) I think we say that enough, but I wanna remind you that in culture, the things you read, the things you watch, the things you listen to, they're not thinking, how can we better their spiritual lives by putting this out there? No, it's actually the opposite. Steals your soul, brings fear into your life, and we need refuge from the one that we get under his presence. And he says, I actually cast out all fear. The world might look dim, but you don't have to be scared of the future. Where else do we need refuge today? We need refuge from technology. Make no mistake that you pay and I pay money to have our phones, our iPhones the three of you that have Androids, whatever, right? Like, <laughs> we pay to have these phones. But what's, what's way more, more than the dollars that come out of your bank account, what's worth way more is the attention that it steals from your life. Just sucks the life out of you. We need refuge from technology. We need refuge today from the enemy of our soul. That there's a very real enemy 
who comes to distract us. Anything God wants to build up, he wants to tear down. Anything that, he, that God wants to bring life and passion and purpose, he wants to tear down with distraction, with possession, with position, with sex, with salary and status. The enemy wants to tear down what God wants to build up. He's a very real enemy and he has, he has ways of distracting you from God's very presence in your life. We need refuge from the enemy. How about this one? We need refuge from anxiety. This is, for lack of ways to say it, this is the pandemic of our time is anxiety. And it comes through all of our devices that you might watch somebody in another part of the world feeling anxiety and it, somehow you and Sumner Washington now feel that same anxiety, right? This is what happens. And so many are feeling anxiety for the first time in their lives. They live their whole life without it and now it's happening and we need refuge from this. See, David, he says, you're the place I run to for shelter. And then he says this, the next line. He says, you are my Lord and you I take refuge. I have no good. You're my Lord. I have no good apart from you. This my Lord, this is a Hebrew word that means Adonai. It's, Adonai is the word, it means master. David has come to this conclusion. Yes, your, your presence is the shelter in my life, and when I get under the shelter of your presence, I then commit again to you to be the master and the Lord of my life. I wonder if you've gone to that place before where you run into God's presence because you're so desperate for his presence, and then you get into his presence and you realize, I ran in here desperate, but I need to run here more often because I realize actually this is all that I need. Sometimes God will get us desperate. Sometimes God will allow certain things in our life to happen so that we run back into the shelter of his presence. Are you with me this morning? And then he says, I have no good apart from you. Listen, the best things in the world without God are bad things. Did you hear that? You can have all the best things of this world, but if God's not in it, it's not worth having. See, I've gone to this point in my life and, and I pray that you can where God can take anything from my life but as long as his presence is there, I know I'm gonna be okay. Like if God's with me and God's like, hey, Jesus plus nothing equals everything to Taylor Ford. And I pray that that's the same. This is what David has says. You're my master. You give and you take away but you stay the same and you are here. This is what God's presence does. It's a shelter. Number two, God's presence, it's a desire. Everyone say Desire. God's presence is a desire for godly relationships. David says this in verse three, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. You see, we, we talk regularly and on purpose regularly at Calvary about the importance of Christ-centered community and relationships because we were not meant to do life alone. Just like when my son Liam was born and he, was, he is he was, he is, and has continued to be so dependent on his parents for, for care and for nurture and to look after him. The, the same is true for us, no matter if you're 25 or 75 or 55, whatever. We're still just as desperate for, for relationships and dependent on people. See, I think we believe the lie in our lives that as we get older, we actually don't need as many people. I, I don't think that's the case. I don't need a thousand people in my life, but I know I need at least one or two or three really, really close godly friends. How about you? See, what David's talking about, though, is not the necessity for community, though 
I can make a huge case for the necessity of community. David's not talking about the necessity of community. He's talking about the desire for community. Like as for the saints in the land, those godly people, God's people, that's who I want to be with David's saying. For me, anyway, the last six weeks have been so incredibly beautiful and a lot of great times with the family and rest and some solitude and a lot of great things. But I can tell you the one thing that was missing from my life, these people. Like the people of Calvary Community Church that have been my close community for, since I was in high school, even younger than that. And this place, like the, the people of Calvary have been my people And so to be away for six weeks was like something feels void in my life. That's what David's talking about. Like it's this desire for godly relationships. And I I don't believe that community is something just to endure that I just go to small group because I have to or I just go to church because it's a thing to do. I believe community is to be desired. And this is what God's presence does. When we get in God's presence, we begin to desire godly people around us. Is this making sense this morning? And as a youth pastor, I've gotten this question asked, actually this statement has been said to me as a youth pastor, this statement has been said to me more than I don't know how many times, hundreds of times. This is what a lot of students will tell me. They'll say, Taylor, I don't like the Christians I know. Have you ever been there before? (laughs) I don't like the Christians I know. And then they'll say this, they'll say, I have way more fun with all my non-church friends. Have you ever said, don't raise your hand, but have you ever said that? Have you ever said, I don't really like those Christians? If they're sitting next to you, don't nudge them, right? Like, but can I just say, can I ask, I just wanna, if you're in that place or you've been in that place, here's two pretty hard questions to think about. Do you know any sold out Christians? Because there's a difference between attending church and being sold out to Christ. So are you with me this morning? Because you can attend church and this can be your only window with Christ per week. And if that's you, no shame. Like that is, that's okay. We're all on a journey. We're growing in our faith and we would encourage you and push you forward to more. But then there's also people that say, I'm all into Jesus. I, I love his word. Whatever he tells me to do, I'm, I'm following. He's my master, like we sang tonight or this morning, the Lord of my life. All of these things. Like when you get around those types of people, it's contagious. Are you with me? <laughs> Like when people are, 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 are contagious about encouragement, they're contagious about seeing the lost come and know Jesus. They're contagious about people finding healing. That, that God has done such a work in their life that the gospel has come into their life in such a way that the old them is gone and the new them is here and you can tell and you can see it. Aren't those kind of people so contagious? This is what, David's talking about. I desire to be around those kinds of people. And, and church, so do I. I, I. I know the church gets a lot of bad PR in the news and all that kind of stuff, but can I just say, I still believe the church is the hope of the world. I still believe that God has intentionally placed Calvary Community Church at 15116 Gary Street at the base of Bonnie Lake Hill in between Ording, Sumner, Puyallup, Bonnie Lake, Auburn, Lake Taps, Am I missing any? I don't know. Right at the center for such a time as this to be a vessel and a lighthouse for this community, for this place. How about you? I still believe that God has things to do he wants to do in his church. I I still believe that in a gathering like this, a marriage can be healed. I still believe in a gathering like this, the lost can come to find Jesus and find hope. And so if if you don't like the Christians you know, 
I would encourage you to get around some sold out Christians because they are so contagious. Man, there's, there's so much more we, we could say about this, but this is what he continues to say. Verse four, on the contrary, like I desire God's people, and on the contrary, the sorrows of those who run after another God in verse four shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. I don't have a lot of time to, to talk about this, but what Paul's, or Peter is saying, Paul, Peter, no, David, everyone say David. <laughs> David, talk, where are we at? We're in the Psalms with David. What David's talking about is he's saying, man, the, the Christ followers, the godly people, those who are desired to be around, those that run after another God, we're gonna pray for them, we're gonna pursue them. We want them to come and know God too, but I know that their sorrows will multiply. My heart is to be with God's people. That's what David is saying. For, let's keep going. Uh, number three, promise of God's presence is a content heart. So what are we talking about? Promise of God's presence is a place to run. Promise of God's presence is a desire for relationship. Number three, a promise of God's presence is a content heart. Let's keep reading in verse five. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places and indeed I have a beautiful inheritance. What, what's, what's David saying here? He's using some Old Testament imagery about a cup and, and pleasant places and talking about lines. He's not, talk, he's not talking as much about boundary lines, though it seems like he's talking about like ancient Jerusalem or ancient Jericho, like what the boundary lines would have been from this property to that property. He's using that imagery, but what he's really getting at is he's saying, I've seen the finest properties, I've seen the finest wine, I've seen the finest steak, I've seen the finest things, those are all great, but what's really important is that you understand in the spiritual realm is that the Lord has given you, he's given you spiritual inheritance, he's given you a spiritual lot, he's given you a spiritual place that says that is yours, it's yours, and you should be content, and then this is what God's given you. That's what he's saying. The lines have fallen for me in the pleasant places. In other words, he's saying when you're in God's presence, you get a content heart. See, in his presence, you realize that it's his relationship that's the real inheritance. It's his, it's his love, it's his grace, it's what he gives you that's the inheritance. And see, God's promise in his presence is this content heart, but if you're anything like me, or maybe, maybe you're not, but I can imagine most of you are, sometimes the God wants to give us this content heart, but we're so busy coveting other people that we miss out. We're so busy coveting that person's life. Seems like that person has the most perfect, idealistic life. They must never fight with their spouse. Seems like, seems like they never have any disagreements with their boss. Oh, I wish I had that person's job because, man, they, they must make a lot more money and, man, they, they, I wish I lived in that person's state and I wish I had that person's kids and I wish I, and we spend our lives saying, I wish I had that person's boat or car or all these things and, and at the end of the day, we're coveting, we're coveting, we're wishing, we're wishing and at the end of the day, God's like, what about the boundary lines that I've given you? They've been designed for you. I might have given some boundary lines to other people and that's that's theirs to be content in. But for you, can you get to a point to say, yeah, the boundary lines for me have been in pleasant places. My, I have a beautiful inheritance. You hold my law. In other words, I can be content in your presence. 
I wonder if for some this morning, it's just so freeing to just say, it's okay to be content for a little bit. So that's what God's presence does. Is it slows us down and it says, what God's given me, he knows I can handle or he knows only to trust him to handle. And when he thinks that my boundary lines need to grow, I'm gonna trust the hand of God to grow that. But for now, as for this life, as for me, this is what God's given me. Is this making sense this morning? We have to be content. When I was in Colorado, uh, I had decided that I wanted to go to the Saturday night church service. So I had chosen, that's the church I'm gonna go to on Saturday night, and this was like earlier in the week, and so I said, okay, that's the church. Just kind of Googled it, churches in Denver, and well, that one looks like an interesting one, so I chose it, and um, put that on the calendar. I was gonna go to that 6 p.m. on that Saturday night, and Friday morning, the day before, I was just going through life, and I felt the Lord put a prompting on me to fast. And I do that periodically. I don't really always tell a lot of people. It's kind of this thing between me and God, and the Lord said, hey, why don't you just fast food today? Not fast food, but <laughs> fast, comma, food. I wanted fast food, <laughs> but, and so I, 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 do, I did. All right, yes, Lord, like I'm on sabbatical and this sounds good. And so I, I knew I was going to that church service that Saturday night. So that Saturday night service was gonna be the last thing I did Then I was gonna go find the quickest restaurant right after and go to eat some food. So I'm, driving to church, and of course, like, as I'm driving all these places, like, Chick-fil-A's right there, and like, I'm like, I'm so hungry, no one make me irritated right now, right, like, hangry Taylor was there, and, um, but it's good, though, honestly, because you can see the real emotions, like, when you're, when you fast, that's what it does, it kind of brings all the real stuff to the surface, and you're like, oh, that's the stuff I gotta deal with, right, don't look at me like you haven't ever experienced that before, right, <laughs> like, I'm the only one, right, um, so anyways, I, go to this church service and I sit down and worship is amazing and, and, and I'm just ready to be ministered to and the pastor gets up and he says, tonight, now get, remember, I chose this church randomly. I could have went to 100 other churches. The pastor says, tonight, I wanna talk to you on the importance of fasting. <laughs> I'm like, okay, God, <laughs> like, right? And this is what he said. Because remember, fasting is creating absence in your life. He says, absence creates dependence on God's presence. I'll, I'll read that again. Absence creates dependence on God's presence. You see, my friends, in God's presence, there is contentment. And if you feel like you're in this coveting state like you've been coveting a lot, I, I would so encourage you, try fasting, get in a place where you're dependent on God's presence and then you'll experience God's presence and then you'll be, oh wow, I'm content. Is this making sense this morning? I have a beautiful inheritance. The lines have fallen for me where the Lord has me. Number four, two more real quick. These last two are quick. Promises of God's presence is counsel. Promise of God's presence is counsel. Verse seven, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. And the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me and because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I think this one is straightforward and we could talk for a whole message on the importance of counsel. But I, I just would ask this question. If you spent 30 minutes every day intentionally in God's presence, 
would you make better decisions in your life? The answer is yes. <laughs> if, you just, if you just every day carved out 30 minutes to spend intentionally in God's presence, I believe that you would become a wiser person and I believe that you would make better decisions. Those close to me know that if there's ever a big decision to be made, I'm not gonna make it right on the, on the spot. Like I'm a processor, I gotta think. I didn't always be that way, but I've just learned that I'm way more wise and I make way more decisions that I don't regret later when I get away with the Lord and say, yeah, that's actually the decision that I feel like we're supposed to do. Because why? Because when you get in his presence and you allow your, your life to slow down and you get to ask him for counsel, how many of us run a thousand miles an hour and then we ask God for the blessing of it later? See, I've just found if you reverse that, you can save yourself a lot of heartache. <laughs> Slowing down and saying, God, give me your wisdom and your counsel. And you see, because the world's so loud, we gotta get down to hear his gentle whisper for, for counsel. That's the promise of his presence. Number five, the last promise of his presence from Psalms chapter 16 is eternal confidence. See, God's presence gives us eternal confidence. This is what David says. He says, therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. That Sheol is hell or let your Holy One see corruption. See, the promise of God's presence, when you get in God's presence and you allow God's presence to overflow into your life and you get under his refuge and you allow him to give you a desire for relationships and all these things that we're talking about, one of the other fruits that comes from being as God's presence is you get this eternal confidence. This is why David can say, my heart is glad. I rejoice. I am secure. He's like, he has security. He's not worried. He says, for you'll not abandon me. He was so confident that God was not going to abandon him to see corruption. In other words, he knew that God was not going to allow him to spend eternity away from God. David knew that the presence of God that he had felt on this side of earth was just a glimmer to what his heart was designed for was to spend eternity in the presence of God. He had this eternal confidence. And this is what is just, it's so like it fires me up and it's so like mind blowing to me. See, because we get the luxury of having a, to read the whole scriptures, right? We're New, we're New Testament believers. So we, we are able to look at a, a passage in the Old Testament like Psalms chapter 16 and we can see the whole picture. We can see Jesus Christ being the Messiah that came to, to die for the sins of the world, to rise again and now sit at the right hand of the Father. But you have to know, David knew that there was going to be a Messiah that came from his lineage, but he didn't know exactly how or when or what that was going to look like. He had some ideas. So David had this confidence to know, I don't know fully how this is all going to work out yet, but I know that God is not going to abandon my soul to Sheol. Is this making any sense this morning? David had this confidence. In fact, this Psalm, chapter 16, is so influential in the scriptures that in Acts chapter two, which is now in the New Testament, the early church, Jesus had just died, he had just uh, resurrected and then ascended to heaven, and the church is now, it's birth, the church has started. And Acts chapter two is like top 10 spiritual Bible passages. Like it's like would be in the sports center top 10 if it was there, right? Acts chapter two is when the church is birthed and we're here as a fruit of a lot of the stuff that happened then. And in Acts chapter two, Peter, 
See, I, I said Peter earlier. Now I mean Peter this time. Peter is preaching. And while Peter is preaching in Acts chapter two, he references back to Psalms chapter 16 that we just talked about this morning. So he preaches this whole sermon to the early church. And then he says, just like that guy David said in Psalms chapter 16, they would have known David, patriarch of the faith, hero of the faith. In Jerusalem, Israel, he would have been, yeah, we know David. Remember what David said? And if you read Acts chapter 2, 25 to 28, it's a direct quote to, to Psalms chapter 16, what we just read this morning. And this is what his conclusion was about David. Verse 29, after it's an exact quote, I'm not gonna read the exact quote, but after that it says this, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently, everyone say confidently, confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. Verse 30, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him, catch this, God had promised him an oath that he would place on his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke, this is David, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. Psalms chapter 16, he spoke of it that the people in Acts chapter two saw that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus, that's the Messiah that David was hoping for, to life, and we are all witnesses of it. You see, when you get in God's presence, you get the same eternal confidence that David had. See, David knew that there was gonna be a Messiah coming one day. And how much more confident should we be, Calvary Community Church, 11 a.m., than now we know the Messiah. We know that Jesus came 2,000 years ago from the lineage of David. And he, and he came to this earth knowing that we couldn't save ourselves, knowing that apart from a Savior coming to give us relationship with God, we would be abandoned to hell. We would be abandoned to Sheol. But because of Christ, the Bible says that he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin so that you and I, the church, can become the righteousness of God. And not just that, God's presence, because of that, doesn't just dwell in a temple like it did in David's day. God's presence dwells in us as the temple of the Holy Spirit when you know Jesus. So now you don't just gotta go to a church to get the presence of God. The very same presence of God that we're talking about is available to you today, in you if you know Jesus. And see, this fires me up because David had a promise that now we get to receive that promise today. God's not gonna abandon you. He hasn't abandoned you. He sent you Jesus Christ to know, I'm gonna be with you forever. The promise of his presence. So you might be here today and say, Taylor, I need refuge. That's okay. The Holy Spirit's your refuge. He's right here in you, if you know Jesus. Taylor, I need community. You're maybe one of the 70% of people right now that are feeling lonely in our culture. Seven out of 10 people. There's no shame in feeling lonely. We have to, we have to break that off of us. We have to start being honest about this. Seven out of 10 people are feeling lonely. Oh, may it not be so. Because the Spirit of God, oh, I believe His presence is gonna cause you to enter into relationships and give you a desire for it. You're here and you're coveting other people's lives. We'll look into His presence and you'll see, oh, I have Jesus. And what's that old hymn? You can have 
all this world, but give me Jesus. Content. Oh, and you've got some big decisions to make and you're anxious and worried about some of the decisions you have to make and they're overwhelming you, that's okay. Because in his presence, he's a counsel. And if you'll slow down enough to hear his still small voice, he'll help you make those decisions. It's the promise of his presence. And then if you're here and you're feeling unsure of the future, you look at some of the cultural stuff that we all see and you look at this and maybe it's your health and it's this, that, or the other and you're just, I don't know about this. Can you get in his presence and realize there's this eternal confidence and when you have an eternal confidence, it ekes into your life today. He's not gonna abandon your soul to Sheol. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this side of eternity is preparing us for forever with him in his presence. So this is a glimpse of his presence and we seek it and we, we, we long for it and then one day we get it forever. Real quick, as we close, a couple quick just practical things for you. If you wanna experience God's presence, I'd encourage you to go for a daily walk with God. This could be just a five minute walk around your house, a 30 minute walk around your neighborhood, a quick walk on your lunch break around your office, whatever that looks like, just to go on a walk with God. Don't put your AirPods in. Don't take anyone with you. You're going with God. And you're saying, God, do you have anything you want to say to me today? And just let it be. Maybe he might not have anything he wants to say to you, but maybe he will. Number two, experience God's presence is try reading scripture out loud slowly. Maybe instead of just cruising through a whole book of the Bible. Maybe you just pick a chapter, you pick a few verses and you take a few deep breaths and then you read it out loud slowly. Like you might have to get, like I wouldn't recommend you just going to Starbucks and doing this by yourself, right? Like you need to be in the quiet place of your house or wherever where no one's around. Maybe it's before your kids wake up or after your kids go to bed and you just take scripture and you just read it out loud. Allow God's presence. And then if there's some if there's a promise in there, do this. Third one, find that promise and then pray it slowly. Do you sense slow? Take a walk, slow. Read the scripture out loud, slow. Pray it, slowly. Because God's presence is in a hurry. We're in a hurry. We've got an agenda. We've got things to do. God's saying, I want to be your refuge. Will you just relax and let me be with you? Does this make sense this morning? Let's pray together. Just tell God whatever you need this morning. Do you need him as your refuge? Just take a deep breath in his presence this morning. He's there. He's with us today. He's in this house. I, can, I just know that there's many in this room that are feeling a peace they haven't felt in a long time right now because they're listening to that still small voice. It's gonna be okay. 
just be honest with him. Do you need counsel from him? Are you lonely right now? Whatever some of the things that the scripture talked about this morning, maybe you just need to just tell him, yeah, I, I need that in your presence, God. Just tell him. Lord, we thank you that at the end of this psalm, just with our eyes closed, I just want to read this over you, that this is David's conclusion after all those things, is that you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, Lord, there is a fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forever. And so, Lord, we just lean into your presence this morning. Speak to us what you might want to today. In the midst of our insecurities and worry, may we know you are a safe place for us. So as we respond and worship, would you seal the things that you spoke to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing one more song before we go this morning. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.